morning. It's good to be in church. How good with the worship team? That was awesome. <laughs> Bringing some heat. It's good. We are in Daniel chapter 6 today, finishing off our Daniel series. Who's been enjoying the Daniel series so far? That's good. Beth has been enjoying the Daniel series. If you want to know how, the, how to respond appropriately to questions, that's it. We'll try again. Who's been enjoying the Daniel series? Yeah, now we're alive. Come on now. Now we're feeling it. This is the 10 a.m. crowd. And today, uh, Daniel chapter 6, we're closing out our Daniel series. And I want to look today uh, and title my message this, the, the pursuit of God. You know, one of the, the overarching things we're going to see through this chapter is, is Daniel, and we've seen this through the last five weeks, is that Daniel and his mates have a, a relentless pursuit for God in their life. And you know, if you're anything like me, we can always be finding things to pursue after, things to chase, things to, to go after, things to throw our lives out at the moment in my family. Uh, one of the things that's been pursued more than anything else is sleep. We're not, we're not really... We're pursuing it. We, we haven't found it, but we're pursuing it. Is the Coles Mini Collectibles. Any, any Collectibles fans out there? Any, any? Yeah, there's a few. I hear a few groans as well. I hear the oak chalk milk's real hard to get. A bit like these mini waters. I think that could fit in. I might take that home for my son. And it's finished. No. A little bit like Mini Collectible Phil on the screen this morning as well. How good was that? Did anyone see Mini Collectible Phil on the screen? You need to pay more attention to what's on, people. There's gold in there. But we have a son who loves mini collectibles. And I remember the first time I went to Coles, uh, I, I checked out and we paid the bill. And they're like, oh, on your seat here, you're entitled to, you know, this many. Probably the way our food bill goes, like you're, you're entitled to 100 minis. Uh, no, but you're entitled to this many mini collectibles. I was like, don't try and sell me your stuff. Like, leave me alone. Grumpy Ryan walks out with his bags. I don't want any things, get home, and uh, my son's like, did you get any minis? And I'm like, mini what? He's like, mini collectibles. And I was like, oh no, I've done a bad thing. So I went back to Coles, I was like, here's my receipt, can I get my, and they're like, nah, you're one of those guys that tries to come back with his receipt and get, I'm like, I am in no way that guy. And they're like, no, people do it. I looked on Gumtree the other day, and there was a mini collectible set going for $1,000. So I immediately took out my phone and started to take photos of my kid's collectible set, which was full. And she, my wife was like, you will not put that online. I was like, oh, come on. But the good thing for us is we've had people in our world that like love minis more than we do. So they've been collecting them for my son. So he's been able to complete his set. So he's real thrilled with himself. But it is crazy how something little like that, like some little mini collectible set, get all 30 before they run out and people go mental. People are willing to buy them for $1,000 on Gumtree. I'm not allowed to sell mine for $1,000 on Gumtree. But we will find things in this world to throw our time, our energy, our resources behind, clearly, to get a hold of something that we want. And what we see from these guys in this story is that what they want more than anything else is God in their life. And so we're going to have a look at Daniel chapter 6 today and have a look at what it might mean to pursue God with all of what we are. To have a look and see... Through this story, which is one of the most famous passages really in history, most people have heard of Daniel on the lion's den, thanks to children's church. But what happens to Daniel as he makes these decisions, and what the outcome is as he makes the decision to go, you know what, more than anything else, 
I will pursue my God. So we're going to pick up in chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators, the satraps, and his, by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. This is so important. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You know what we see from Daniel in this, in this moment is that he is not one of the boys. So he is, he is a foreigner, literally he is a foreigner. He's been taken into captivity and he has been taken and placed in another land. Foreign culture, foreign beliefs, foreign everything. Yet somehow he's made it more or less to the top. So the plan for Daniel in this moment was like the king, Daniel. And he would administrate over the whole kingdom so that the king would suffer no loss. That's a pretty heavy responsibility for a man, especially a foreigner. And the, and the boys here, they get a bit upset. They're not happy that, that Daniel is going to be promoted to this position. So a little bit like a Suits episode, they go digging for dirt on someone. Has anyone seen Suits before? I feel like it's just one giant like dirt digging episode. Like I get dirt on you so I can get dirt on you so that I can get dirt on you so you yield and I win the case. If you haven't seen Suits, you don't need to now. Uh, Every episode involves getting dirt on someone. And so these guys, they go, you know what? We don't want this foreigner. We don't want this Daniel to be in charge of us. So let's find some dirt on him, right? So they start looking at his character. They start looking at his work. Does, is he sloppy with his paperwork? No, he's not. Is he lazy? Does he take a, like a long lunch break? No, he doesn't. They look at him and they can find nothing. He is completely trustworthy, not corrupt or negligent. So they look at him and go, the only way we're going to trip this guy up is if we take him out to do with God. His love for God, his pursuit of God. You know, Pastor Dean has this saying, I actually don't know if he has this saying, but he said it once and it stuck with me. So if he said it once and it stuck with me, you know it's pretty good. And the saying is this, it says, how you do anything is how you will do everything. How you attack the smallest thing in your life and go about it to the very biggest thing that everybody sees that's the most important. How you do anything in your life is going to result in how you do everything. So if you're slack, if you're lazy, if you cut corners, if you don't worry about the little things, that is how you'll go about your life. But if you do everything with that attitude of, I'm doing this for God, and doing it out of the heart that you have for Him and the pursuit that you have for Him, that's how you're going to do everything. And this is reflected in the life of Daniel. They can't find anything on him. It doesn't say he was perfect. I think that's really important to notice. The Bible doesn't say Daniel was perfect, so they couldn't find anything on him. But his character game was strong. And it was because he spent time pursuing God. The things that he spent his time putting in began to be the things that would come out. And if we want to be people of character, people of God, the people where people will look at us and go, how he does anything is how he will do everything. It's about our pursuit of God. It's about the things that we put in becoming the things that come out. 
the things that we spend our, our time and our resources on are the things that enable us to pursue who God is. They look and they're like, the only way we'll trip him up is to get something to do with his God. And so we'll, we'll continue the story and it says this. It says, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Here we find one of the greatest kind of stitch-ups of all time. So these guys, these, this group of people, this collective that are out to get Daniel, they go to the king. May the king live forever, you know, straight away, you know, they're in there. We have all discussed and decided that we should put this law into effect. The problem is, I, I can't see where Daniel would have agreed to that. Like, let's put in a law where no one can pray to God for 30 days. Daniel would have had to have been a part of the conversation. This is the equivalent, I think, of like my son doing this. I have a nearly three-year-old son. And he will find something in the pantry. He'll climb high. And he'll find some chocolate in the pantry. And he'll take it to my wife and say, Mom, I've got a really good idea. So you already know he's up to something. Kind of like this. I've got a really good idea. I had a chat to Dad. And he said I could have some chocolate. Can you open it for me? And she'd be like, that doesn't sound like your dad. In fact, he doesn't like you eating chocolate. I know this. No, no, no. Before he went to work this morning, you were still asleep. But, or you were doing something else. He said I could have some chocolate. Should we call dad and ask him? No. No, we shouldn't. It's just a good idea. And she'll call and I'll be like, no, that's not what I said. And he'll go hide somewhere. These boys have kind of pulled this stunt. They've gone, hey, king, we've all decided. Every one of us, all the leaders have decided that this is a great idea. And what they have done is place Daniel in the ultimate trap. Placed in, in, a, in a situation he wouldn't have agreed to, in a situation that makes no sense. Do I pray to God? Or do I yield to this trap? What am I going to do? And for all of us, we don't have necessarily a lion's den. Well, I hope not. If there's anywhere in Perth that's like throwing Christians in a lion's den, we should find out pretty sure we could do something but all of us have traps in our lives Daniel had a very physical real clear I feel like some in some ways that's a great advantage he knew exactly what was going to happen he knew exactly what had him trapped but for us there are traps in our world each and every single day that are there to try and take us out of our pursuit of God that are trying to take us out of having godly character who are trying to take us out of being the person that he wants us to be in the world that we live. Chris Hodges in his book puts it this way. He says, our enemy doesn't come dressed in a red jumpsuit. It comes in the form of everything that we think we want. I love that. Our enemy doesn't come dressed in a red jumpsuit. It comes in the form of everything that we think we want. You know, there's no lines then necessarily. There's no one saying, if you walk into church this morning, I'm going to take away your life. That if, if you pray to your God, if you read your Bible, if you follow him, it's going to cost you your life. But there are so many things in our world silently that we think are the good things, that, that we're what we want, that we pursue after, that do exactly that. They take us away 
from what it means to pursue God with everything that we have. And you know, the worst part about it actually is that some of these things are actually good. <laughs> like they're things that God has given us, but we kind of pursue them more and they, we elevate them into that position. You know, a couple of weeks ago in Daniel 3, we talked about what we worship. And then when we worship God, it makes everything else smaller and it makes Him bigger. It's the same principle here. The things that we pursue after have the potential to make God big or small. And we want to make Him big. We've got to be aware of the things that trap us. You know, the world, the way that we want to go about it is that we kind of get trapped without realizing until it's done. You know, I was, uh, I was reading a book this week and, and the, the author used this illustration of church that uh, people who uh, view other people that go to church, people who don't go to church view people who go to church as people who is the same as people who go to the movies. Let me explain. I love going to the movies. I've just got a, a brand new kind of baby girl, so it means I'm not going to the movies for a long time. But uh, I, I love to go to the movies. I love like Mission Impossible. Is there any like Mission Impossible fans? You love seeing like Tom Cruise like leap 16 buildings on his motorbike and land it and get away while like 17 guys are shooting at him, but not one of them can manage to kind of hit him. And I'll sit there and I'll watch that and I'm like, how awesome is Tom Cruise? He's the man. I want to be on Mission Impossible. But every now and again, you get someone come to the movies with you. And if you're this person, I'd ask you, have a look at yourself in the mirror, realize what you're doing, and never come to the movies with me. And they sit there and they go, oh, come on, man. Like, as if that's real. As if he could leap those 16 buildings. Like, come on. As if someone's not shooting him with that. Like, it's not possible. He crashed. He would have died for sure. And he just gets up and brushes it off. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I know. It's why we're at the movies. There's a fundamental part of me that understands that this is not reality, but I'm willing to put it to one side to enjoy the movie that I paid heaps of money for that you're wrecking. But yet some of those people, honestly, you, you go to the movie, and they're Disney fans. Tom Cruise has more chance of surviving 16 buildings on a motorbike than you do of finding Aladdin with a genie in a bottle. But they're okay for that because it's animated. But honestly... We laugh, and it, and it is funny, and it's funny how we can go to the movies and we can put everything to one side and kind of be drawn into this storyline that isn't real. But the reality we face as the church today, as followers of God, as, as people of Christ, is that people think that that's what we do when we come to church. We're willing just to get absorbed into the fiction that God's real. I don't know if you've heard this before. People will say God is irrelevant in our day today. In fact, they don't often say God. They say the church is irrelevant in the world we live in today. It has no place anymore. You know, Christians just believe in God because it helps them feel better about what happens when they die. Like you hear these things all the time. And all these little things are, are there in our lives. And the more we pursue after them and not God, the more it kind of makes that statement true. That God is not relevant in our day. Because God's relevance in the world today comes through his people. And so we have to watch for these traps. We have to watch for these things. We have to watch for those little things and those big things in our lives that are going to be there to trap us, to pull us away. For you, that will be different to what it is for me. Some of them actually might be the same. Often it revolves around Netflix. But you know, there's all these things in our world that we can go, oh, I just want to pursue after this. I want to have time for this. I want the job. I want the money. I want all these things. And if God is there, then we're happy with it. But if he's over here saying, I want your attention over here, we find ourselves trapped by the things that we've pursued. I challenge you this week to, to have a look and see what are you pursuing with your life? Where's your time going? Where are your resources going? 
trying to do the same thing. Go, what am I investing in? What am I pursuing after? And how much of that can I see as a reflection of God? And how much stuff am I just trapped in and need to get out of? We'll, we'll continue uh, reading here. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You know what we see about Daniel's pursuit of God in, in this moment is that there is no compromise about what he does. I remember when I used to hear this story growing up, I'd be like, Daniel, why didn't you just pray in your head? Like walk around. No one can hear it. Oh, just uh, tie my shoelace. Dear God, I pray that if you really wanted to get technical and kneel. He could have compromised in any way to avoid what was coming his way. All he had to do was not pray. But Daniel looks and goes, you know what? I'm not going to compromise. Not in a small way or in a big way. Like a big compromise could have been like, I'm just not going to pray to God at all. God, I'll see you in 30 days. Just going on a holiday. It's a calendar month. See you when I get back. Or he could have gone, oh, I'm just going to pray in my head. You know, oh, I'm just going to pray in the car. Oh, I'm just going to tie up my shoe and quickly say a quick prayer. So no one knows. Small compromise, big compromise. Didn't matter for Daniel. There was no compromise in his pursuit of God. And for all of us each day, we're faced with big decisions and little decisions in compromise. It might not be that someone's going to come and say to you, if you pray today, it's going to cost you everything. But you know what? Your pursuit of God and your character might cost you a promotion. It might cost you some money. It might cost you some relationships. It might cost you some time, uh, you know, pursuing God instead of doing something else that you would prefer in a worldly sense to be doing. And for all of us, there's these compromises, big things and little things. I remember being 19 and the, the biggest compromise I had to make in the whole world was there was a girl I liked and I wanted to date her. In fact, I was like, I think I'll marry her. She's that good. The problem was she wasn't a Christian at all <laughs> and I wanted to be a pastor. Doesn't really add up. So I was like, hey, would you be cool with coming to church? She's like, nope. I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. No worries. We'll just go to the movies instead, you know? My youth pastor's like, man, come on, what are you doing? Like you could date her or you could... Stop cutting out on youth and, you know, own your responsibilities or, what, you know, whatever he said. But I remember just thinking, oh, I'm going to have to leave this to one side. And it was like the worst decision ever at the time as, of a 19-year-old boy. But, you know, it taught me something about my life that when I say no to certain things and yes to God, it changes the direction of my life. And I never look back and go, geez, I regret not dating that girl. Dang, like I wonder what she's doing now. I've never regretted kind of saying yes to God and no to something else. But there has to be things that we're willing to say no to. Sometimes they seem like the biggest thing in the world and then you kind of get past it and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or sometimes you've got to say no to something. It actually is a sacrifice and it hurts to kind of say no and not compromise. But God's plans are always better than our plans. And so a no to, no to the world and a yes to him is the greatest thing that we can do. The story continues and it says, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God, human being, except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. They said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. 
When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He realizes exactly what he's done here. He's like set up his best guy. Then the men who went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. What a response from the king in that moment. But what we see here is that the unfortunate side of life is that, you know, when we pursue God, there is a cost. It's going to cost you something. Again, sometimes big, sometimes small. But there's always a price to be paid in saying yes to God. What, real, what we realize about Daniel here, though, is I, I feel like he, he's in a position where not having God in his life is the same as having no life at all. Like, you know, he, he pursued him with everything he had. He's in a foreign place. The only familiar thing that he has is a relationship with God. And they're trying to take it away. And so dying to him is a better option than to compromise and kind of give up his relationship with God, the thing that he loves the most in the world, the thing that is most important to him, more important than his job, his status, more important than his own life. To, to say yes to God, we've always got to be willing to pay the price. In fact, sometimes it's worth counting, we've got to actually count the cost. Sometimes you've got to know what the price is that you're paying before you can actually pay it. And in this moment for Daniel, he's very aware of the price that he's about to pay. It's the price of his life. I don't read in, the, in these chapters before any guarantee that God would kind of, God didn't have this secret message to Daniel saying, don't worry, they'll throw you in there and I'll kind of pull you out. It's like, actually, this is going to take you right to the end. And it could take away your life. But you know what, to him, that's a price he's willing to pay. So life without God was no life at all. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize is that there's a cost that we're going to have to pay. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Nice little side swipe there, yeah? Like, I didn't do anything wrong by you either. The king was overjoyed and gave the orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. You know, really the only thing we have to hold on to in this world is our faith. This idea that we are shielded by our faith. That Daniel goes into the lion's den, you know what? The only thing he has left is his faith. He says it there, God rescued me because I trusted in him. It was all he had left. Had no chance, it was sealed. They sealed it, they put a rock over it. There's no way of him ever getting out unless God came and did a miracle. And you know what? We're gonna find plenty of times in this world that test us, that our faith gets put to the test that it's going to be hard, that it's going to be a grind, that it's going to be a difficult decision to make, all these things we've kind of talked about. And the reality is the only thing that we can carry through those situations is our trust and our faith in our God. And I look at it this way. I look and I think we want things to be tested, right? Like you hope that chair you're sitting on today has been tested by someone, like it didn't just get put together by me and then you sat on it. 
Like you probably trust that someone tested its durability. You know, when we buy cars, often we test drive them, don't we? I had a friend who uh, test drove a car. This is a side note, I digress. He test drove a car, it broke down on the test drive and he still bought it. <laughs> and then so goes the test drive, so goes the car. <laughs> Bad decision. That's why you test drive. But we want to test drive stuff. We want them to, to take cars and crash them into walls and see what happens to them before we buy them. Not that particular car, but a prototype to go, is it going to be safe? Is it going to be true? We're obsessed with testing in this world. And we want things to be tested. But when it comes to our own life, we don't want to be tested. Like, I don't want to go through a test. I don't want a lion's den moment. I don't, I don't want to pay a price. I don't want to be faced with compromise or no compromise. But I believe that all of us want to see a move of God in our lives. And unfortunately, the move of God can't happen until we have the test. And so often the move of God is just right on the other side of the test. And it's gonna teach us something and it's gonna do something in us and it's gonna change who we are and, and how we live. And it's gonna do something. Maybe it's gonna show the, 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 just the greatness and the story of God. But so often we wanna quit at the test or we wanna compromise at the, the face of the test. Like I know I'm cool with kind of pursuing God in my life and then suddenly there's a moment. You're like, oh, this is a big one. Like this is money or oh, this is like my time or oh, this is like if I take a shortcut here, I could. We all have those moments. And sometimes it's just easy to like sideswipe side the test and kind of keep going this way. But I believe we don't see a move of God in our lives without that test. And Daniel was willing to pay the price. He held on to his faith and he was able to see a great move of God in the place that he lived, not just in his own life, but in the place that he lived. Might get the, the team to, to come back up and join us. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up uh, today here. And, and the last part of, of chapter six, it says this. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. You know what we see throughout this whole book and kind of what finishes here and what has been the over, one of the overarching themes of this story is the greatness of God. That time and time and time again, that these guys that we read about in these stories, the things that happen, the good, the bad, all the things they go through, it all points back to one place, the greatness of God. And the tests that we go through and the decisions that we have to make and the pursuit of Him and how it plays out in our lives, the things that we put in and the things that they come out, they're all about one thing, displaying the greatness of God. You know why it's not about being perfect? One, because we can't get there, but two, if we were just perfect all the time, it wouldn't mean anything. You know, I don't ever wake up in the morning, I don't know about you, but I don't ever wake up and kind of go, how can I screw my life up today? Like, I reckon there's a few things I'll do that'll really screw it up, let's have a go. But sometimes I get home and I'm like, man, I did everything I could today to kind of screw my life up. Like, I made some great mistakes. I compromised a little, I took a shortcut. I wasn't willing to kind of pay that price. I kind of faltered at the test. I trusted in something else that kind of wasn't God, whatever it might be. But none of us wake up to get there, to do that. 
That's why it's a day-by-day decision to pursue God. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make heaps of them, probably the most. But it's about going, you know what, I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But I just want to pursue God with everything that I have. That when I go through a test, I'm going to hang on to my faith and I'm going to pursue Him with all that I have. And the end result will be that the greatness of God gets displayed to you in your life and you get to celebrate who He is, but to others as well. And when I go back to that picture of what it looks like where people think the church is irrelevant, you know, this building isn't irrelevant to our community. Like there's stuff on here all the time. Like every day there's something going on. People are getting their coffee, they're dropping off their kids, they're coming in to, to hang out, they're, they're around the place. They know the building exists. When people say the church is irrelevant, they really don't mean that the buildings don't mean anything. What they mean is that the, the people of God aren't relevant in today's world. That our values and the things that we hold on to aren't relevant in the world today. And I take offense at that. Not because, like, personal offense, like, how dare you say that about me? But I know that I serve a God who is great and is powerful and has the ability to change situations and circumstances and lives that can do anything, that can rescue a man from a lion's den, that can elevate him to a position of power and influence to make a difference for the kingdom of God in a place where he had no right to do that. Why? Because of the greatness of God. And the way that people are going to stop thinking that the world is irrelevant, that God doesn't matter, is through His people displaying His greatness. Not being great, not being perfect, not being an old preachy. Don't, please don't take a milk crate from the side of the building to work tomorrow, stand on it and start telling people about the greatness of God. They'll put it in the irrelevant category. But when you begin to pursue Him and you don't compromise and you pay the price and you develop your character into a godly man, they looked at Daniel and they couldn't find anything worldly about him. All they could say is, look at how he pursues his God. Let's try to take that away. And it didn't work. The way we live our lives in pursuit of God is the way we're going to play it out. And the way I want to play it out in my life is I want people to see the greatness of God. I want people to look at my life and go, man, there's something else there and be able to tell them about the greatness of God. Sometimes there's going to be challenges. Sometimes there's going to be tests. And they're no fun. But the reality is when they display the greatness of God, they are all worth it in the end. And so our response this morning, I believe is just gonna be to declare the greatness of our God. That as we're doing that, it's gonna make everything else that we leave here from probably feel a little bit smaller. It's gonna make God feel a little bit bigger. But as we're doing that this morning, if there's things in your life where you can look and go, oh man, there's a bit of compromise there. Now's the time to go, God, you are greater than that compromise. I'm not going to do that anymore. God, I want the the greatness of you to be displayed. I want the world to know that you are relevant. And I want you to do that through me. And we begin to ask those prayers and we begin to absorb the words of the songs that we sing and we take them into the the week and they're our prayers and they're what we carry. And it doesn't just become this nice community of people that gather on a Sunday to kind of encourage each other, which is so important. It becomes the people of God dispersing into their worlds to declare and carry the greatness of our God. And so we're just going to sing that song again. We sung it this morning. I know it's a bit new. Sometimes it takes a while to to get the the hang of, but it talks about all the earth will shout your praise. You know how all the earth is going to shout the praise of our great God is when people decide to shout the greatness of God in their life, to pursue Him with everything that they have. And people won't be able to help, like the King, won't be able to help but go, 
Everybody in every language in all the world needs to know about the greatness of Daniel's God because of what you've done in his life. I want that to be my story. I want it to be your story. I want it to be our story. That people look and go, the people of God, their God is great. We need to follow Him. So this morning, could we stand? And could we sing this song with a bit of faith? Could we position ourselves with God as the largest thing in our world? And could we sing those words, all the earth would shout your praise. I'm going to pray for us and the team are going to lead us for a few moments. God, this morning, we thank You that You are great. Lord, we thank You that there is nothing greater than You in this world. And Lord, we are willing to pay the price. We are willing to count the costs. Lord, we want to pursue you with everything that we have. And the way we do the smallest thing in our lives through to the biggest thing in our lives would reflect you in this place. And so God, you are greatly to be praised and we lift up your name and we worship you. You are great, mighty God. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's praise our, our great God this morning. Let's lift our voice in praise.